0: I'm going to dive right into the word because i got a lot to share. Uh, You guys picked a great Sunday to be here. Amen? All right, I worship so much so I may be sipping water a little more than usual, so just bear with me today. But uh, I know for a fact, after last week's message especially, I was kind of going back and forth between a couple of ideas for what to share with you this weekend, and last weekend settled it for me. So I know that this is what God has for you. I actually heard uh, uh, some parts of this message in a message I listened to about four months ago, and God just kept bringing it back to me. And so the message that I'm going to share with you today is entitled, I'm Marked. Amen? <laughs> Say, I'm Marked. <laughs> All right, by the end of this message, you're going to believe it. Amen? All right, I just want to pray over you real quick. So if you'll just raise your hands if you feel comfortable, otherwise, just uh, just agree with me. Father, today... We put our ideas aside. We put our mind, the, the things on our mind aside. We know that we can't embrace truth and lies at the same time. And so today we let go of the lies. Whatever the enemies told us, whatever the enemies tried to, to sell us, we just put that at the cross, under the blood. And we focus today on hearing your voice and your voice alone. And we commit that to you in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Being marked means to make a clearly visible impression on for identification. In other words, you're God's kid. So from God's perspective, all of us are marked. And if you kind of if you know my kids, Jackson and Kara, uh, Jackson's almost 16, which is a little scary for mom and dad right now. Be honest with you, uh, but Kara's 12; she'll be 13 in January. If you know them at all, you'll notice that they look a little bit like mom and dad, right? Um, If you get to talk to them much, you'll pick up some character traits they probably picked up from mom and dad. If you talk to Jackson much, you're going to pick up a little bit of his dad's corny joke um, telling, (laughs) right? But the point I want to make is they're marked by their parents. And in a very similar way, we're all marked by our Heavenly Father, a much more significant way, amen? Amen. And so, as I was talking about that just now, some of you might have been thinking things like, you know, Pastor Mark, you know, I I think I'm a little too old to be thinking about that. My life's kind of, I'm on the other side of it. Or maybe I feel like, you feel like I've messed up a little too much. Um, You know, maybe you feel like I've already disqualified myself. And so I really wanted to answer that question at the top today, because I think a lot of us feel that way at different times in our lives, right? Anybody ever felt that way? I know I have. There's a scripture that I wanna point you to to help you understand that you can't be unmarked, (laughs) okay? Your mark cannot be erased, right? So when Paul wrote Romans, which is considered the most uh, widely influential letter ever written, there's a verse in there that kinda anchors this point that's a promise of God that I want you guys to remember. I want you to write it down. Anytime you feel like you're having one of those days when your, your uh, destiny seems far away or you feel like it's too late or whatever the case may be, I want you to go to the scripture. It's Romans eleven twenty nine. 29. It's super simple. But it says, for the gifts and the calling of God are irrevocable. You could read that another way. For the gifts and the calling of God are not able to be reversed. Yeah. Or you could read it this way. The gifts and the calling of God are final. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. Anytime you feel doubt creep in about your life or purpose, I want you to just pray this truth, beat this arrow on the ground, all right? When we stop believing a lie, we can start believing God's truth. How many of you have those voices in your head at times that pull away at you, take away from you, cause the doubt, cause the anxiety, cause the fear, tell you what you are, right? That's the lie. And we have to recognize it first. We have to recognize that's not God's voice. That's not our voice. It's the enemy's voice. Put it aside and choose only to hear God's truth. Amen? The next thing we have to settle is what is God going to do in and through you after the affair? After you get out of the recovery program? What's he going to do with your life after the diagnosis? What's he going to do with your life after the divorce that was all my fault? What's he going to do with your life after the bankruptcy? God, what are you going to do with my life after the divorce that absolutely wasn't my fault? God, what are you going to do with me after this devastating loss that took me off my feet? You know what? The enemy can't destroy, he distracts. Right? How many have ever been distracted? <laughs> I, have. I think we could all say that. But the enemy, if he, if he can't take you out, he'll distract you. He'll put stuff in front of you. You'll have a disappointment. You'll have a failed relationship. He'll distract you with finances. When life deals out big hits sometimes... Those those distract us and take away from our purpose, right? Would you agree with me there's never quite a hit like the one that you don't see coming? Um, I play a lot of basketball. And uh, so if you're a basketball fan, you'll get this maybe more than others would. But uh, one day I was playing some pickup ball, and the man I was guarding was at the top of the key, kind of above the free throw line, and he gave a little juke step and he cut to the basket. And so I turned to sprint and meet him at the basket, What I didn't know was one of his teammates was coming up just outside of my peripheral to set a pick. And it was a moving pick, by the way, just so that we're clear. (laughs) All right, (laughs) totally illegal. But he was running up to set the pick about the time that I was turning and sprinting to the basket. And the next thing I knew, I was off my feet on the ground, and my shoulder was separated. And let me just tell you, if you've never had a separated shoulder, it does not feel good, Okay, And so for a second, I had to figure out where I was, because I wasn't exactly sure what had just happened. But when I turned to get up, and I could feel something wasn't quite right, and everything kind of stopped spinning for a second, I was down, right? Uh, There was no more ball that day. And for some of you guys, you've been knocked down, and you've been disoriented. You don't know exactly what's going on, and the count in the ring is going off. One, two, three. And I'm here today to tell you that we're getting off the mat, all right? We're going to get off the mat. We're going to run into our purpose, right? We're going to get healed. We're going to have God minister to those broken places in our life, right? But we're not giving up, right? Say, I'm marked. All right, you're getting closer. You're going to mean it before we're done, Today, we're going to look at some truths from the story of David. We're going to take a look at his process to the palace. I think pastors and teachers like David's story um, because, like, kind of like I put it, he was a beautiful mess, right? How many have been a beautiful mess in your life? Uh, some more mess than beautiful, but that's that's more my story. But uh, I think what's so endearing about the story of David is that we see David, and he's, he's anointed as king. He has such a tremendous anointing on his life from such an early age. But we see David progress through life and seemingly win at everything for a while, right? And then David hits kind of the low spot, and you see David struggle with adultery. And you see David try to cover up the adultery and ends up murdering a man. And I know for, for most all of us, we'll never go that far off the rails, But it's just kind of a highlight to understand that no matter how far you feel like you get away from God, the thing that I love about David is even though he made all those mistakes, he still knew who dad was. And he still came back to the father. He still knew how to ask for forgiveness. And he still knew how to receive forgiveness. Amen. And for a lot of us, I think you need to hear that today. It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter how far you've gotten off track. It doesn't matter how bad you think you've been, right? Right. God's still right there, and he's, he's ready and willing to restore your purpose yeah. and for you to understand that you're marked and called by him. Yeah. Amen. We're going to pick up David's story first with King Saul. You know, King Saul was marked too. He was the first king of Israel. Um, Samuel anointed him as king. But in time, Samuel, uh, Saul rather stopped listening to God. He stopped listening to the counsel around him. He started doing things his own way. He started lying to Samuel, attempted to lie to God, an impossibility, but he tried to. And ultimately, God had to withdraw his anointing from Saul because of Saul's rebellion. I firmly believe if Saul had been repentant, the Bible would have read much differently. So Paul's mark wasn't revoked, but God had to withdraw his anointing from Saul. Two very different things. Just as a side note and a bit of a warning for all of us, there are people in leadership, especially Christian leadership, with no anointing. Be careful who you follow. Maybe they just used to be anointed. All right? So God had to mark and anoint another king. So that's kind of where we pick up in our text today, 1 Samuel 16. I want to read this to you. Now, the Lord said to Samuel, You have mourned long enough for Saul. I have rejected him as king of Israel. So fill your flask with olive oil and go to Bethlehem. Find a man named Jesse who lives there, for I have selected one of his sons to be my king. But Samuel asked, How can I do that? If Saul hears about it, he'll kill me. Take a heifer with you, the Lord replied, and say that you've come to make a sacrifice to the Lord. Invite Jesse to the sacrifice, and I will show you which one of his sons to anoint for me. Skip down to verse 6. When they arrived, Samuel took one look at Eliab and thought, Surely this is the Lord's anointed." But the Lord said to Samuel, Don't judge by his appearance or height, for I've rejected him. The Lord doesn't see things the way you see them. People judge by outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. And everybody here said, Amen. Amen. Then Jesse told his son Abinadab to step forward and walk in front of Samuel. But Samuel said, This is not the one the Lord has chosen. Next Jesse said, Summoned to Shimea,' but Samuel said, "'Neither is this the one the Lord has chosen.' "'In the same way, all seven of Jesse's sons "'were presented to Samuel, but Samuel said to Jesse, "'The Lord has not chosen any of these.' "'Then Samuel asked, "'Are these all the sons you have?' "'They're still the youngest,' Jesse replied, "'but he's out in the fields watching the sheep and goats. "'Send for him at once,' Samuel said. "'We will not sit down and eat until he arrives.' "'So Jesse sent for him. "'He was dark and handsome with beautiful eyes.' And the Lord said, this is the one, anoint him. So as David stood there among his brothers, Samuel took the flask of olive oil he had brought and anointed David with the oil. And the spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon David from that day on, and Samuel returned to Ramah, or Israel. The first truth I want you to take in from this passage today is that you will be approved in private. A lot of people have trouble with that nowadays, right? Right? They, they get a word or they get a compliment or they feel like they kind of see a little bit about what may be ahead of them in their life, and they go straight to Instagram, <laughs> right? <laughs> they want to make sure everybody knows about it, right? I know you've never met any of those people, but I promise you they're out there. Um, they want us to even treat them differently sometimes, don't they? Looks a lot like Entitlement. Uh, But here we have the future king of Israel, guys, the future king, who's at his house with Bubba and them. And he's got some strange, eccentric, unknown prophet guy coming in here in front of just him and his family. And David wasn't even invited to the party. Yeah? How many of you have kind of felt like you're David sometimes? Like, (laughs) there was a party going on, (laughs) but you weren't anywhere near it, right? (laughs) What I think is so awesome about this story is you're marked even if no one else knows or if everyone else looks yeah, you over, yeah, yeah. Right. right? First Samuel sixteen eleven we just read it. Samuel asks, are these all the sons you have? His dad says, they're still this, the youngest, but he's out there in the fields watching the sheep and goats. Notice that Jesse, his own father, didn't even call David by his name but by an undesirable characteristic. Being a shepherd wasn't a notable profession back in that day. It was kind of the most common of the most common. He didn't even call David by his name. Church, people are going to try to sum you up. They'll sum you up by an undesirable characteristic, by a past defeat that you've had, a past struggle that you've had, how you look, what you did, what you didn't do. Oh, yeah, that's just the guy who can't hold down a job. You know, that's, that's the one that's been divorced three times. God can't do anything with him. Him, he's a chunky guy with no self-confidence. I've been that guy. She's the one that got pregnant when she was 15. You've heard those things, right? God calls you by your name. Amen. He's not looking for the obvious choice by the world's standards. He doesn't care how other people try to sum you up or stereotype you. He sees a beloved son. Yes, glory. He sees a beautiful daughter. Come on. He sees a mighty warrior. Yeah. Right. He sees a conqueror. He sees unlimited potential. Hallelujah. He sees amazing purpose. Yes. He sees your mark. He sees a king when everyone else just sees, sees this kid watching over stinky sheep, amen? <laughs> cool. We'll be approved in private. Second truth, you'll be anointed before you're positioned. Say, I'm marked. I'm marked. Oop, I, I hear a little more belief in the room. <laughs> so David is anointed, but then where does he go? So we pick back up, verse 13, it's 1 Samuel 16. So as David stood there among his brothers, Samuel took the flask of oil he brought and anointed David with the oil. The Spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon David from that day on. So now David's anointed, he's excited, he's ready to go, right? And then what does Samuel do? He goes back to Ramah. He goes back to Israel. Now a lot of us might have went, Sam, where's the caravan? You know, where's my robe? Hey dad, here's my shepherd's staff. It's been nice, right? But no, not David. David's... At, for one thing, he, at this point in time in his life, he's somewhere between 12 and 15 years old. So, David's got a lot of growing up to do. How many have had some growing up to do before? <laughs> um, David won't be king until he's 30. So, there's a process that he's got to go through to get to the palace, right? Um, your pastor was called to preach at 18. The vision for this church was put in his heart shortly thereafter but it wasn't until his early, early 30s when God put this into reality. All of us have a process, right? We have to be patient. How many don't do patience well? <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> Guilty. Why did David have to go back to the pasture? God wants to anoint you, and he wants to send you back into your sphere of influence to make a difference there first. He wants to know if he can trust you there first. So how do we see David waiting in this season? Do we see him kind of with his arms crossed and his eyes rolling like, one day, man, one day I'm going to be in the palace. I guess I got to do this thing until the time comes. No, what you see David doing is waiting, right? He goes back to the pasture He fully engages his assignment. He takes care, takes exquisite care of those sheep, right? But he doesn't even stop there. Because in his spare time, you find him learning how to play the harp and writing most of the book of Psalms that we all know or even sang part of this morning, right? Pastor Mark, I need you to know that I'm called to be on the platform. (laughs) I was called to lead worship, to write songs, to travel the country. But God said, great, I want you to go serve in tech arts, running lights and words. I want you to lead a life group and help out in Pathway Kids. And don't open your mouth. (laughs) What? Right? Because God's process always looks different than ours. Right? It won't make sense to you. That is a promise. Like, that is a biblical promise. <laughs> and you can orchestrate your own plan B if you want to. There you go, yeah. But how many know how plan B's go? <laughs> do not go well. Ask Abraham. He knows. That's what the Lord was trying to tell us in Proverbs 3, 5, I think. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. Seek his will in all you do, and he will show you which path to take. Emphasis on: Do not depend on your own understanding. It won't make sense to you, but that's okay. It shouldn't. It's just all a part of the process to the palace. So we've been approved in private, anointed, then positioned, and next we'll find that we'll become the answer to a problem. So David goes back to the pasture, and what does he do? You see him; he gets to work. He takes care of his responsibilities. Uh Dad used to tell us at different critical points in our life, he would when there'd be confusion and I would be trying to sort out what I was supposed to do. Dad would just simply say, Son, what is the last thing that you know for a fact God told you to do? Do that. I can't tell you how many times Dad and I had this conversation. Dad's voice sounds a lot like God's to me. An amazing man of God. But David, you find him honing his craft, right? He's taking exceptional care of his sheep. God teaches him some pretty invaluable skills, like how to fend off lions and bears, right? He takes advantage of his quiet time by learning to worship God more and more intimately, writing worship songs, mastering him, his custom Fender Strat guitar, right? So, pick it up in 1 Samuel 16:15 Some of Saul's servants said to him A tormenting spirit from God is troubling you let us find a good musician to play the harp whenever the tormenting spirit troubles you he'll play soothing music and you'll soon be well again All right Saul said find me someone who plays well and bring him here one of the servants said to Saul one of Jesse's sons from Bethlehem is a talented harp player not only that he's a brave warrior a man of war has good judgment he's a fine-looking man and the Lord is with him So Saul sent messengers to Jesse to say, send me your son David the shepherd. Jesse responded by sending David to Saul along with a young goat, a donkey loaded with bread and a wineskin full of wine. So David went to Saul and began serving him. Saul loved David very much and David became his armor bearer. Then Saul sent word to Jesse asking, please let David remain in my service for I'm very pleased with him. David didn't fill out an application, did he? He didn't send an email to the palace. He didn't send his resume, right? What I think is so cool about this story is David didn't get called up to the palace for his day job. He was a shepherd. They're not, in this passage, you see Saul and the, the servant talking about the situation. They refer to what they're looking for as a good musician, someone who plays well, a talented harp player. And I think I would love to ask this question of God someday. There's so many questions we have, right? But how in the world does a shepherd on the backside of nowhere get a reputation for being an amazing harp player at the palace? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, really, how does that happen? Shepherding is an isolated you know, vocation. <laughs> like, you're, you're, with, you're talking to the sheep most of the time, Right? <laughs> I doubt very seriously the sheep carried the word up the hill, <laughs> right? I mean, I guess it could. God did use animals in the Bible uh, a couple times. Balaam's a donkey. But, uh, but I think the point that I want to make to you is that when it is your time to be promoted to the palace, they'll send for you. Yeah. You won't have to hustle and get your grind on. You won't have to make sure that the pastor knows about you, right? You won't have to, you won't have to make your way any way you know how, right? Yes. They'll send for you. Yes. Amen. Be humble. Yes. Work hard. Yes. Worship God. Spend time with Him. And in due season, in due time, God will promote you to the palace. Yes. Amen. David came to the palace, not as a king or prince, though, but as a servant first. Friends, God will allow you to taste your future first, but not as a king or prince. First, it'll be to serve. We had a a guy one time. It's been a long time ago. None of you know him, (laughs) thankfully. (laughs) But, uh. We had, a, we had a class, and at the end of it, it was a leadership kind of oriented class, and at the end of it, we challenged everybody to plug in and get connected to, to serving on the Dream Team, and this individual made it really clear where he wanted to serve, and we asked him to serve at the time, I think it was Pathway Kids Check-In, and his response was, that's not what I do. Um, warning, warning, <laughs> warning, right? Heart check. Um, he felt like he would better be served teaching and preaching to the congregation. And, and I can tell you, our, our culture is that before anybody steps up on the platform in any capacity, we want a relationship with them. So we, we want to get to know you, get to know your family, get to know your beliefs, where you come from. And so this, I mean, maybe in time this guy could have you know, gotten to that place. You know, who knows? Obviously, he had to work on some things. But I think the point is that a platform is just a raised position of what you'll do down here. So if down here I'm not humble, if down here I'm arrogant, guess what's going to happen up here, yeah, yeah. right? right? If, if I'm lazy down here or if I'm entitled down here, or if I think it has to be done my way down here, guess what's going to happen up here, <laughs> right? And right. God's system, what he's looking for is how are you stewarding down there? Yeah. Because he's not going to put you up here until you pass that maturity checkpoint and prove to him that you can steward that well. Amen? Amen. That's a good word. Thank you. (laughs) Be the answer to a problem, okay? Love and serve God, people, your church, and ask for nothing. God will promote you when it's time. Amen? And they'll send for you remember that. Next, your opportunity will be revealed in obedience. I so love David's heart because he serves Saul in the palace, but you see him in scripture continuing to go back and help dad out. So just because David got his promotion into the court of King Saul, he still stewards his responsibilities. So just because we get a little step up and God moves us to a different place doesn't mean that we forget and leave everything else alone behind us. Leave, right? right? Yes. We're still responsible until God releases us from those responsibilities. So 1 Samuel 17, verse 17 reads, One day Jesse said to David, Take this basket of roasted grain and these ten loaves of bread and carry them quickly to your brothers and give these ten cuts of cheese to their captain. I guess they were having grilled cheese. Really good grilled cheese, ten cuts of cheese. Um, See how your brothers are getting along and bring back a report on how they're doing. David's brothers were with Saul in the Israelite army in the Valley of Elah fighting against the Philistines. I didn't have the guys put up verse 20, but in that verse you see, when David left to go to the battlefield, he left his sheep with another shepherd. And the thing I want to point out from that is that when you move up, when God takes you to a different place, He won't allow you to leave what's behind you in chaos, right? It's all part of stewardship. We talk about that a lot here at our church. But God doesn't work in dysfunction and disorder and chaos. So if something causes confusion or disorientation, there's a good chance it doesn't come from him, right? Or it's an indication that maybe that's still a part of your assignment, right? The Bible says that David was meek and lowly in spirit, that he was humble, He'd been given the platform at the palace, but he was still humble enough and had enough humility to know that he still had responsibilities to take care of at home. If David hadn't been obedient to his father and taken those sack lunches to his brothers, he may never have met Goliath. He may never have met his opportunity for promotion. You know, he could have said, you know, Dad, that's really not what I do. You know, you have some servants they could run that stuff up there to them. You know, I'm, I'm going to be king someday. I don't know if you know this, right? You remember Sam came, anointed me, remember? But no, you don't see David like that at all. Instead, you see David do exactly what his father asked him to do, right? How many opportunities have we missed because we've gotten a little too prideful or maybe we just can't obey God? Maybe God told you to do something three months ago, two years ago, 10 years ago, but for whatever reason, you just haven't been able to get yourself in gear, right? Or maybe you just haven't been able to get past that obstacle, right? Maybe that thing is the key to your next promotion. Maybe that's your Goliath. It's time to slay some Goliaths, amen? Yes, amen? I really want you guys to zero in on that this week. I want you to think about if you have some areas in your life or some things that you feel like God's asked you to do and for whatever reason you just haven't been able to engage it or maybe you put it off, I want you to really lean into that because that thing may be the thing that unlocks the next promotion for you. Amen? But Pastor Mark, I don't want to serve in Pathway Kids. They get on my nerves. <laughs> you know, Pastor Mark, serving in Pathway Kids, you know, that's women's work. Uh, no, it ain't. <laughs> Pastor Marty and I served in kids' ministry for a long time. Um, we had puppets. We did felt boards. I don't know if you guys know what those are nowadays, but... Um, one of the problems with the generations that are coming up behind us is that there is a lack of a presence of the Father in their lives. And I'm so excited that here at this church, we have some really dedicated men of God that sow into your kids back there. What if you serving back there, you're the link to this one kid that needed that connection, and as a result of that relationship, that kid goes on to be the next Billy Graham. You know, what if that, that area of serving, what if that submission from your heart to the Lord opens up and unlocks a purpose that you didn't know existed in your life? Yes. What if, right? You know, Pastor Mark, I don't really want to get up early on Saturday morning and go to Jesus Burger. Those people are scary. <laughs> they stink. Right? What if by serving... You unlock a door that you never knew was there about your purpose. Maybe it's the people that you're going to reach, or maybe it's the positioning of your heart. Or what if single people, you're going to meet your future spouse up there serving in the hamburger line with you. What if that's where they are, right? Brother David and Gary Don will take sign-ups this weekend if you want to sign up to help out there. But what if you're missing the thing because you won't give a little extra time or because you can't get over that mental block about what what serving in that area looks like, right? Obedience isn't about the other person. It's about God getting your heart. Your next obstacle may just be an opportunity waiting on your obedience. So once your opportunity is revealed through that obedience, you'll be promoted through obstacles. You'll be promoted through obstacles. In chapter 17, we find David's brothers serving in Saul's army. David's still going back and forth, serving at the palace, helping dad out at home. David's introduced to his biggest, scariest obstacle to date in Goliath after bringing lunch to his brothers. How many of us, when we see obstacles, like what is our, what is our initial reaction a lot of times? We freeze, right? Or maybe we retreat. Saul's army and David's brothers, they were all hiding. They were all retreating, right? But where thousands stepped back because they saw an overwhelming obstacle, David stepped up because somehow he saw an opportunity. I want you to remember this or write it down. Obstacles and opportunities are almost exactly the same depending on who's on your side. Obstacles and opportunities are almost exactly the same depending on who's on your side. So when you see debt, a diagnosis, or death, or a loss, do you see an obstacle or do you see an opportunity? Remember who's on your side. Amen. Amen? Why does David see an opportunity when the entire nation of Israel saw an obstacle? if you can imagine David saying this, God taught me some things behind closed doors in the pasture when no one was looking. When nobody knew who I was or even where I was, a bear came and met Jesus. The Lord taught me to do some pretty amazing things with my bare hands and a slingshot. Then a lion came creeping along and I took him out too. This may be the first time all of y'all are going to see it, But for me, this uncircumcised Philistine is just the platform that God created for me to step up on and do what he's already prepared me to do. When I was on the backside of nowhere, he will go down. Amen? That's the attitude I think we all need to get toward our Goliaths, right? God will get all the glory for something that he taught you to do when no one else was watching. He'll train you and he'll prepare you so much like David that... When you're called to do it on the big stage, like David, you won't even flinch because you will have walked it through with the Lord in front of nobody except the sheep. But when your time comes, when the moment comes that God's prepared for you, all of that training steps into the present and you won't be intimidated and you won't be afraid and you won't be scared. Just like David, you'll kill that giant. Amen. Amen? God will promote you through your obstacles and transform them into divine opportunities. And finally, this is the very easiest and the hardest <laughs> of all the truths that I'm going to present to you today. You just have to be you. Isn't that good news? You need to know that God marked you for greatness individually and uniquely. I love these two scriptures. I've used them before, but I want to bring them back today. I think they, they fit so well in this message. Jeremiah 29, 11, you all know it. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. You're marked, my friends. Then this is one David himself wrote, Psalms 139, 13. For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place. When I was woven together in the depths of the earth, your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. Hallelujah. David could write couldn't he? <laughs> in David's story we see that when they tried to put Saul's armor on him, it didn't fit. 1 Samuel 17, 32. I love David's attitude in this passage. Don't worry about this Philistine, David told Saul. I'll go fight him. Don't be ridiculous, Saul replied. There's no way you can fight this Philistine and possibly win. You're only a boy, and he's been a man of war since his youth. But David persisted. Sometimes we have to be persistent. I've been taking care of my father's sheep and goats, he said. When a lion or a bear comes to steal a lamb from the flock, I go after it with a club and rescue the lamb from its mouth. If the animal turns on me, I catch it by the jaw and club it to death. (laughs) We need David's tenacity, I think, sometimes, (laughs) don't we? I have done this to both lions and bears, and I'll do it again to this pagan Philistine, too, for he has defied the armies of the living God the Lord who rescued me from the claws of the lion and the bear will rescue me from this Philistine. David didn't doubt. David wasn't playing around, was he? Saul finally consented. All right, go ahead and may the Lord be with you. I'm not sure if that was a prayer or a declaration, but take it for what you will. Then Saul gave David his own armor, a bronze helmet and a coat of mail. David put it on, strapped the sword over it, took a step or two to see what it was like, for he had never worn such things before. I can't go in these, he protested to Saul. I'm not used to them. So David took them off again. He picked up five smooth stones from a stream and put them into his shepherd's bag. Then armed only with his shepherd's staff and sling, he started across the valley to fight the Philistine. Mm -hmm. Pathway family, we just have to be us. You just have to be you. Saul's armor didn't fit yet. It would. David was a boy. He would someday be a king. He would learn to use those tools, but he had not yet. So again, David's training, the process that God had had him walking through, prepared him for that moment. And the thing I want you to really grab from this passage is that God wants to use you with the knowledge that you have, with the skills that you have, with who you are right now in the battle. You don't have to be someone else. You don't have to dress like somebody else. You don't have to talk like anyone else. You don't have to pretend to be someone else. You just have to be you. Amen? That's all God wants. Remember, when God elevates you, he's not going to throw something new at you in front of everyone. God didn't want David to wear the armor because David had no history, right? He had no experience with those, those sets of tools, right? He just wants you to use what you have. You have a unique DNA and a footprint on this earth that no other person has ever had or ever will have. That's right. And you need to hear that. Hear me, guys. Every single one of you have a unique calling have a unique purpose. You have a mark on you from the Father God that only you have, that the world is missing if you're not exercising it. You really need to know that. What seemed like absolute foolishness to everyone else, if you can just picture the battlefield, you've got this teenager in David with his staff, his little piece of leather, (laughs) and some rocks. And you have a nine foot some odd Philistine warrior in full body armor that doesn't look smart, right? With natural eyes, right? Doesn't look smart. We've all seen it characterized in different ways. Some with, you know, Goliath like 20 foot tall or whatever. But it, it, was, it was significant enough as it was in reality. David's this little boy, a little skinny scrawny thing, probably. And then you have Goliath who's been trained in war since his youth. But Remember, it's not going to make sense. <laughs> it didn't make sense to anybody else. Yeah. But we just read, David, he didn't seem one bit concerned. Was it because of his faith in himself? No, no because when God, when, when David was out in the backside of the pasture with the sheep and the lion came and the bear came, did David think he could do that by himself? No. I don't think so. I think David realized he had to have God's help. Yeah. And because David had that posture in his heart, when it came time for the Philistine to drop in front of everybody, David didn't flinch. He knew that God was going to be with him. Yes. He spoke it, and then he did it. Amen? Amen? We live in a society today that by and large strives really hard to put out an image that they want other people to see or believe that has no basis in reality, right? We've all, been, we've all seen it. Some of us have been guilty of it. I know I have at times. But this idea is counterculture right? Just be you yes. in all of your glory, <laughs> right? <laughs> Just be you. Be the beautiful mess God created you to be. Yes. Amen? So as we close, remember, we've got to be approved in private. We've got to be anointed before positioned. We will become the answer to a problem. Allow the opportunity to be revealed in obedience. We'll be promoted there are obstacles that look a lot like opportunities, and then we just have to be ourselves. Yeah. So what do I do with all this, Pastor Mark, I'm so glad you asked. <laughs> Stand with me, guys.